Your world, your challenges, your faith. When faith within engages the world without, there's power. It's living life from the inside out. People are leaving church, and it seems that some who might have come in in years past are not darkening the door. So who are the people researchers are identifying as the duns and the nuns? And what does that mean for God's church? Well, welcome to Family Life's Inside Out, where we're going to talk about this very thing. I'm Martha Manikas Foster, and my guest today is writer Michelle Van Loon. She has, for quite some time, been looking at the exodus from the church, especially among those who for many years had dedicated themselves to it. Welcome back, Michelle, to Inside Out. I am so glad to be here, and I love that we get to have a conversation about this today. Well, every conversation I have with you, Michelle, is insightful. And so I'm looking for some insight here because people are quitting the church. Some didn't, you know, we all know, didn't return after the pandemic. Others, you know, had left already. And it seems like others have left afterwards. So what do you understand is happening? And what do we mean by the nuns, which is N-O-N-E-S, and the duns, D-O-N-E-S? What do those words actually mean? that researchers are using to talk about this exodus or this lack of coming into the church? Mm-hmm. Well, we are definitely in a time of great change and shift. When we talk about people that are done, D-O-N-E-S, uh-huh. we're talking about people that once were active in church, and one day they hit the exit door and never came back. And when I say one day... I'm saying that metaphorically because it's never just one thing right. that leads to that decision. It's it's an accumulation of things, and it can come over a long period of time. When we talk about nuns, N-O-N-E-S, we may be including people that are done with church. We may also be including in that category people that have never been closely affiliated with the church, regular attenders or members. Sometimes these are our spiritual but not religious people. These are the people that will sometimes say, I like Jesus but not the church or Mm -hmm. not his people. Mm -hmm. And in other cases, we may be hearing from people that are nuns. I don't really care, and all the Christians I know don't make me want to follow Jesus. I'm fine doing my own thing, maybe sampling from a buffet of different kinds of beliefs, different kinds of spiritualities, or just kind of head down in the material world, grinding out day by day. Mm -hmm. So it's tempting to be able to use a category name to be able to kind of assign meaning. But we know And we know from the example of Jesus that that is always a terrible idea (laughs) because (laughs) he could see a naked madman running around the tombs and he could say, this person needs deliverance, Mm -hmm. not this person needs exclusion. Mm -hmm. Or he could see a woman grabbing the hem of his garment who'd been excluded from the faith community because Mm -hmm. of her illness. And he responded differently. So it behooves all of us, no matter what the category name is, or no matter what a person presents to us as a neighbor, a coworker, a friend who might be, I don't need the church, I don't like the church, 
or in the case of many duns, I've been burned by the mm-hmm. church. It's not usually the Jesus that we meet in the pages of Scripture or in prayer that has burned a person out or burned a person in general. It's often his people behaving badly. So so people who are, I'm done, they've been faithful attenders, mm-hmm. they've been instrumental perhaps even in Sunday school programs and discipling programs, mm-hmm. and they're done. In a way, you're saying, don't count them out because mm-hmm. you really don't know. And then the people who are nuns, don't count them out because you mm-hmm. really don't know. In, in every case, I hear you saying it's not the categories mm-hmm. that were once so easy to identify. Mm-hmm. Is that right? That's exactly right. And there was a a research survey done by Pew Research, a a very well-respected group that asks questions about faith and culture. Mm -hmm. And they did a survey in 2018 that kind of tried to get a sense of who the nuns were in our world. Mm -hmm. And in many cases, it was... I've seen the church at work and I don't like it, that kind of thing. There were people with honest and good questions about God and faith and good and evil, much smaller category. In most cases, it had something to do with the church not behaving like what we know the church can and should and eventually must be. So that's important to remember. And this survey was in 2018. I dare say if they repeated it today, because politics have gotten more and more and more stirred into the mix of things, that people that are leaving the church, being done with the church, or not even bothering to want to try going to church as a nun, that that category of the church is just political, or they're a particular kind of voting block, I dare say that those numbers in the statistics would be much higher. Lots happened in the last five years. Certainly, certainly has. So I also think I hear you saying then that we're not talking about people who are done with Jesus. Maybe they're saying, I have none, but they may not have met him. Mm -hmm. The actual bona fide son of God, rather than Mm -hmm. we imperfect followers who make so many mistakes, who make up the church. You know, there's times when I've thought, you know, Jesus, you did it perfectly. You did it right. You did it so well. And then you gave us the responsibility of representing you. You handed it first to Peter and then to the rest of the disciples and then everybody who's come after him, including you and me, Martha. Mm -hmm. And he's he's he knew that we weren't going to get it right. But I think the call here is for empathy and for listening way more than maybe what we heard a generation ago. Here's how to share your faith. Here is how you answer every objection. Most of the people who are struggling with the church in one way or another, it's good to understand what is it exactly that is bothering them, because you might be able to say, that actually bothers me too. Mm. Mm. I'm still here. Here's why I'm still here, but I totally get it. And being able to kind of to come into a conversation with empathy and being able to encourage them to maybe 
start moving toward God instead of trying to stand still or move away from God. Even the, the smallest movement toward God has a life all its own. Mm. We take a step and he comes running. Mm-hmm. So, so we are called to reach out to those who don't know the transformative power of Jesus Christ. But, but the category of the duns, quote unquote duns, mm-hmm. these are people who've known Jesus and who've heard about God's mm-hmm. transformative grace. So, so your understanding of what's propelling so many people out of the church is perhaps, if I'm hearing you correctly, that this transformative power of Jesus Christ may be being, in a sense, drowned out by the behavior of the church or about mm-hmm. a higher priority put on something else other than Christ himself and the Spirit of God inhabiting us. Am I hearing you correctly? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, this isn't the case for every single person. There's no way that you can make a blanket statement like that. Right. But when I get into conversations with people who are done, and I'm in conversation with people like that pretty often. I live in a a community full of people who are over 55, and a lot of them are like, church, been there, done that. I can just stay at home and read a book or watch a TV preacher or even listen to a podcast for the people most comfortable with technology. But the place that we kind of learn how to be the body of Christ, we can't just be an elbow all unto ourselves. Hmm. So some kind of connection is still really important if you're able to do it. There's some people that can't. But does it have to be 10 o'clock on Sunday morning where you're getting all dressed up? Maybe not. For some people who are done, a small group or a book club or a Bible study, book club that's reading meaningful content is a gentle entrance ramp into fellowship again. Mm -hmm. So I need to figure out how to be the church and be invitational in my life even for the people that are done with formal institutional church. And sometimes that's enough to kind of get the wheels moving. Sometimes for people who've been badly hurt in a church, burned by a church, or exhausted by the church, they may need to switch denominations or faith traditions to find something that kind of can restart a sense of community again. I don't go to church at this point in my life to learn, you know, from a sermon, for example. Mm-hmm. I, I read, I write, I think, I have access to, to lots of things that challenge me right where I am. I go to church so that I can receive communion and be with people who aren't like me and listen to their stories and maybe have them listen to mine. Mm. And in that we both get to learn how to worship and love God and love our neighbors with our whole lives. Yeah, you're right. It's it's people, not me. I totally agree with me. <laughs> right. I Like, I am pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. I also am not everything. And I need to be reminded of that in community. Worship is more than what happens when we gather to sing, to hear a message, to share communion, but we can't do it alone. Mm -hmm. If we have to, if we're being persecuted, 
and isolated from other believers because of it, there is a particular grace that is on that, that God is there. But that is not the circumstance or the situation for most of us, most of the people who will be listening to this broadcast. Mm -hmm. So trying to figure out a way back into community might be without the pressure of something that may trigger a lot of pain, particularly for the duns, maybe even more than the nuns. Mm -hmm. Well, if you let me just take a moment and let people know that if they've just joined us, that we're in the middle of a great conversation. So if you are just joining us, you're listening to Inside Out on Family Life, and I'm talking today with writer Michelle Van Loon. Now, to go back to the very topic that you were talking about, Michelle, we know that the church is key to what God has told us of his plans. We don't know all of his plans, mm-hmm. but what he's told of us of his plans. And he desires for us to thrive in community, and the church is not ours to build. Jesus said that mm-hmm. he would build the church, and he would sustain it, and that even the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, the writer of Hebrews also tells us that we should not give up on meeting together, spurring each other on. So this walking away of the duns, this walking away, fitting into what we know of God's plans for his church. Is this a challenge to the church? Is it a corrective to the church? Are we to do something as the church? And if so, what is it that you see that we should do? Mm -hmm. That Hebrews passage that you just referenced, it's from Hebrews 10. And a lot of church leaders have used that to say, See, it says right here that we shouldn't give up on meeting together and spurring one another on. It speaks as much to us about the nature of our relationships with each other wherever we connect with one another. So if you've got somebody who's a done in your life and you're with them, then you are meeting with them, mm. as, as the writer of Hebrews says, and you are there to spur on something of their faith, to notice what God is doing that they might not even be able to see. That gift of of being able to really pay attention to not just what someone says, but the subtext of, you know, what you know of where they're coming from can be a very powerful way to spur them on. Someone sees me, someone is listening, someone cares, and it reflects the love and care that God has for them as well. So probably we all know people that are done. Maybe they've disappeared from church and you don't know what happened to them. And maybe this conversation is prompting you to think about maybe reaching out to them. Or maybe it's just a family member, a spouse, a child that is no longer involved. They're done. God is giving them breath. God is giving you breath. And so you get to be the one who is meeting together with them to spur on. So as, as a church dispersed, as ministers, as individual ministers, not the model, which I don't believe any of us thought that was the only model, but not the model of bringing someone to the congregation, mm-hmm. but, but this empowerment to be the minister who is in your everyday life mm-hmm. meeting with people, ministering, and maybe mm-hmm. even bringing the church to them as a person mm-hmm. who embodies the church in, a, in some ways, as a person who's filled with the Holy Spirit, who knows Jesus Christ as an ambassador. Is, is that mm-hmm. what I'm hearing? I, I think so. We often say you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, but you can salt his oats. In other words, you can <laughs> make him thirsty. Yeah. And 
I think if we're the salt of the earth, then that's kind of what it looks like. Now, if we can do that without the agenda, like I'm trying to lure them to come to church with me, and that's how I'll know when I have succeeded at this task, that's part of what has burned a lot of people out on church. But if you can just be there with somebody else right where they are and hear what they're saying and listen and notice and ask God for the opportunity to be able to say something that's life-giving to them. That's something all of us can do. Mm. Because a lot of the people in my neighborhood aren't necessarily going to want to come to church with me. Okay, that's fine. But I can be here to salt the oats a little bit. And what does that look like? And it may end up looking like maybe we're going to have a small group in our neighborhood someday, Mm -hmm. you know, something like that. And that might be what worship looks like. It's kind of how the church started. And for people that are burned by the institution, everyone is hungry, especially after COVID. People are hungering to try to figure out how to connect and reconnect. Even if they've disconnected from an institution, or they've been hurt by an institution. I see over and over again on the internet people that have left a church who who mourn the loss of community. They may not miss fighting over the color of the carpeting or the politics or the doctrine, but they miss going somewhere where people know their name. Well, on that note, Michelle, what would you say to church leaders who are listening who are battling discouragement about Mm -hmm. the people who... They might have expected to come back to church because now they mm-hmm. are children. They have children, and a generation ago, that's when a young adult might come back to his or her roots. Or mm-hmm. you see all these people who had been very active in the church who have walked away. Mm-hmm. What would you say to the discouraged pastor? Yes, you're discouraged. It's discouraging. This is hard, and their livelihoods may be at stake. A mortgage on a church building may be at stake. There's no easy answer, and there's no quick-fix program. All those things have all been tried. So the only hope in this is to be able to equip and empower people to be able to go and to be able to speak to people that would never necessarily come to church or are not in the mood to return to church at this time, and to recognize that there's reasons for all of them, and to guard their own hearts against bitterness, because bitterness in a church leader never bears good fruit. But I get that it's not easy. It's not easy. So if we can encourage those who are our shepherds, the pastors, to mm-hmm. be um, empowering us and training mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. to be ministers into our communities, mm-hmm. our families, our neighborhoods, which has always been part of what pastors do, right? I think I hear you saying that that may be the bigger part of what being part of the church Uh is, at least right now or maybe into the future. Right. And if a pastor is used to building programs, build a program and they will come, you know, and they'll bring their friends, it can be hard to shift out of that kind of program director or CEO mode of doing a church and kind of tapping in again to what it means to shepherd, to be a soul carer, a chaplain, and 
to encourage people right where they are. No church can go to places where people are not wanting to attend a church service, but all of us are scattered into the world to be the church. Mm, Yeah, that's something to think about. Well, thank you. Thank you, Michelle, for the research that you've done and the thinking you've done on this and for sharing Mm -hmm. that with us here today on Inside Out. Thank you. My guest has been author Michelle Van Loon. You can learn more about her and her writing by going to michellevanloon.com. That's Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E, Van Loon, V-A-N-L-O-O-N, altogether, dot com. I'm Martha Manikas Foster with Inside Out on Family Life. Thank you for plugging into this Family Life News podcast, streaming issues-driven, family-focused news.